Anyway, um, so I'm just going to look at that, those verses for a few minutes um, together. Um, if you're, if you're first week with us this week, I want to give you a really warm welcome. should have said that at the beginning, and I should have explained about Excite. Uh, kids go off, they're just next door, and they have a, a fun time together, learn a bit about um, God in a, in a fun, exciting environment. Um, and they come down a bit at the end of the service, something will flash up on the screen, and, and just go out that door and up the stairs and into the next building, and just follow the crowd, I guess, and, and collect them when they're ready to be collected. Um, and also, I should say, before we pray, um, a group of people were down here yesterday tidying the, uh, the grounds of the church out the back, and, uh, and just really should just say a big thank you for Gareth for organising it and, uh, and for those that came and gave up uh, a good few hours of their Saturday to tidy the back of the church up as well. So we really appreciate that. And, and I really appreciate in advance all of those people that can spare an hour next week uh, for the in, inside bit of the church. Anyway, let's pray. Father God, we just want to lift up these next few minutes. Lord, as we look at your word, as we, as we finish, Lord... Um, these first three talks, Lord, just on that idea of freedom. We pray, Father God, that we would have open hearts, uh, even if we're not sure what we think about you, Lord, even if we're um, just new to thinking about bigger things or like this. We pray, Father God, that your spirit would speak to each heart here. That, Lord, even if the words that we hear aren't the words vocalized from this mouth, but we pray that everything that's heard this morning will be guided and anointed by your Holy Spirit and that every single one of us will hear your words clearly, your words alone and no others. We pray you'd be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been doing a series of talks um, just under that title of Freedom in Christ. And uh, and so we've had two weeks. Um, Today's the third one. That's kind of how it works, isn't it? And uh, so we've done one and two. This is number three. And uh, and we're going to sort of press pause um, on the subject of freedom just for a few few months probably. We're going to change track next week. Um, March is going to be a significant month, so um, we're going to hopefully be a bit more um, focused on sort of contemporary issues that might be going on in the press and the news, and we'll have to talk about Brexit, I think, at some point as well, which is right to do, and we should not frighten of talking about it. And so that's what the next few weeks will be like. Uh, and then we'll return to this theme a little bit later on um, in the year. Um, so we're going to sort of dip in and out of this uh, topic of freedom in Christ as we go across 2019. Uh, but I must say, um, if things have been stirred up as we've talked about freedom, I'm conscious that we've mentioned many things that are quite personal, um, and maybe things have been stirred up and maybe not, may, perhaps you've not even thought about them for a long time and maybe you need to, I encourage you to try and meet with people that you, you trust within the church, you can pray with uh, and they can just, you can share with them if you want to if you want to meet with me personally that's okay as well or member of the leadership team but it's really good if things have been stirred to, to, to pray uh, and not feel embarrassed by them um, our, we've, our series has been based on Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 um, which is a letter to a church in Galatia uh, by a man named Paul. And he writes this to these Christians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's talking about spiritual slavery through unnecessary laws because they're from a Jewish background. And we said that in week one. And that verse comes with a great truth. Galatians 5 verse 1 says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. The great truth of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 is that freedom is possible. Many people go through life thinking freedom is impossible. They get to a point they've been doing the same thing for so long or the same feelings have had such a hold for so long that they think it's impossible. I'm going to give up. They think the only solution is to give up and just think, well, this is me. But freedom is possible. Freedom is possible in Christ. And there are many stories in Christianity of people that were lost, and they would describe themselves as lost, dead almost, who found life and forgiveness and freedom in Christ. And so we say, again, it doesn't matter what you're going through. 
Uh, it may be things you're ashamed of. It may be things that happened to you, things that you've done, things you've not done, regrets, pains, whatever. But freedom is possible. Galatians 5 verse 1 says that's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And if you go across the New Testament, you see that that freedom is applied in different ways. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, that freedom of the heart. Um, that'll just appear behind me. Remember, a freedom of the heart. Ephesians 3, 12, uh, we have a freedom to approach God. We're allowed to approach a holy God, and that should be impossible, but because of Christ, we've got freedom to approach him. Acts 13, verse 39, we have freedom from the power of sin in our lives, our biggest problem. Colossians 1, freedom from accusation. So many people wag the finger and point the finger, you're this, you're that. And we have freedom from the accusations of the devil and of the world. And finally, Romans 8, 1 to 2, we have freedom from death. Can you imagine that? Freedom from death itself. I don't fear the final moment of my life. A bit before it, I'm not so keen on. But that final moment of my life, I don't fear it. Because I know that it's for freedom that Christ has set me through. Death has lost its sting. But that verse, as much as it comes with a great truth, it comes with a great challenge. He says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then Paul writes, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And of course, he's talking to Christians of shrinking back into Judaism and all of its rituals. But the same can be true of us. That you can be set free from your sin and your guilt and your past, but you can shrink back into it. And you can bind yourself up all over again and lose that freedom that Christ was crucified to give you. Let me illustrate that point. Um, there's a guy going to appear on the screen. Um, you won't recognize him. Um, his name is Randall Lee Church. Now, he was jailed in 1986, I think, for a crime that he said he didn't commit. And, and in 2011, having served 26 years in a U.S. prison, Randall Lee Church was released. He finally had his freedom. And do you know what? He couldn't handle it. And after just a few months, he was so... Uh, unable to cope with his freedom. He didn't have the perseverance to cope with a world that didn't have Ronald Reagan as Prime Minister and massive mobile phones, that he burnt a house down, no one was in it, he burnt a house down, freely admitted it to the cops, the police, I should say, and that he was arrested and put back in jail because he, lo- he couldn't cope with his freedom. And we can lose our freedom if we keep returning to those places where God has set us free from. Last week we spoke about strongholds, and we spoke about those things that build up in our lives that have hold of us. We talked about things that trap us over a period of time. Maybe it's a previous hurt from when you were young, or, or at some point maybe someone that, that you thought loved you has broken your heart or done something to you, and it's a stronghold in your life. You refuse to trust anybody else. Maybe it's something during our upbringing that just has a hold over us. Or maybe it's a temptation that we've given into over and over And over again, in the end, that thing now defines us rather than the fact that we resist it. We spoke last week from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, about the renewal of our minds. And we said how that word renewal in the New Testament is used in just two places. Titus 3, verse 5, where it's used in the context of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, transforming us, renewing us from the inside out. And then Romans 12 uses it with the sense of being proactive in our thinking. That we should think differently, respond differently, be different. Be proactive in how we respond so that we don't respond the same old way. That renewal takes God and us to take the first step. But there's something more we should say as we press pause on this series about freedom. We need to talk a, a bit more about the spiritual side of all this. All this stuff about freedom is that fundamentally a spiritual issue. We should be talking about the fact that we're in a spiritual battle for our souls and our minds and our hearts. It needs renewal, doesn't it, freedom? But we need to realize as well that we fight 
a darkness. We fight a spiritual battle. We believe as Christians, not just in God, we believe in the devil as well. We believe unashamedly in the devil, that he prowls around looking to cause trouble in all of our lives. And there's just two verses, to, or two passages, just to bring out before we say anything else. 1 Peter, uh, we read these verses from verse 6 in chapter 5. He writes this, in the same way, hang on, no, that's verse 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings as you. The devil prowls and he waits and he longs just to cause trouble for all of God's people, all people, in fact. And you may know the pain of the devil getting his hooks in in john chapter 10 verses 7 to uh, 7 to 10 it says therefore jesus said again very truly i tell you i am the gate for the sheep all who have come before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep have not listened to them i am the gate whoever enters through me will be saved they will come in and go out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i have come they may have life and have it to the full. Freedom is a spiritual issue. And so we need three things to be free. The first is we need God through faith in Jesus Christ to fill us with his Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside. We need a renewal of our minds, a determination to think and respond differently. But number three, we need to acknowledge and understand how the devil works and our position in Christ. And so we're going to look at Luke 4, as Roger read to us, um, just a few moments ago, I won't read it again, but the, those verses will appear behind me. Jesus goes into the desert and for 40 days fasts and is tempted by the devil the whole time. And then and we see in these verses the tactics of Satan, the tactics of darkness in our life. The first thing you understand about the devil and our spiritual battle is that he attacks at significant moments. Verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There's lots more to say about this passage. But notice, it doesn't say Jesus depressed and fed up. It says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. He is at the pinnacle of his spiritual experience. This is a definingly high moment in Jesus' own walk, if you like. This is the beginning of his ministry. This matters. What happens next defines the next three years before he gets to the cross. The battle he's about to face sets the tone for what comes up next. Every battle you fight with the darkness sets the tone for the rest of your life. But it says he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's at a spiritual high, if you'll pardon the expression. And often we spend so much time focusing on how to, be, how to survive the low moments in life. We forget that we're just as vulnerable in the high moments. When we've got more, when we're comfortable, when things are going well, they're just as dangerous as when things go wrong. Jesus was full of God's Holy Spirit. And actually we should be prepared for the high moments. Because often when we're comfortable... When things are going very well, that we suffer with pride and self-reliance and arrogance. And it's often then that we drift in our relationship with God. The biggest concern for Western, Westerners when it comes to faith isn't doubts they might have about God. It's the comfort they have in their lives. Because when you have everything you need practically, you begin to wonder why you need God in the first place. But you do need him. <laughs> you do need him. So the devil attacks when things are going well. 
And that's a good thing to realize. Verse 2 as well, we realize there's something else to say. It says, for 40 days he was tempted, that's Jesus, by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. So Jesus fasts for 40 days. I wouldn't advocate fasting for 40 days unless you really uh, practice that and get used to it. But Jesus fasted for 40 days. He was hungry and he was tired. And notice then, not just that he's at a spiritual high point, he's at a physical low point. The devil loves it when we're tired. He loves it when we're stressed. He loves it when we're under pressure. And we are all rubbish at asking for help, aren't we? We are rubbish at it. We love to pretend that everything's going really, really, really well. And we go home and burst into tears and shout at everybody and do stuff we shouldn't because no one's looking because we want to pretend that we've got it. We love to be self-sufficient. Self-sufficiency is a sin. I'll put a blunt point on it this morning. It's wrong. You're not built, neither you nor I are built to be self-sufficient. We're built to be God-reliant and relying on our brothers and sisters in God's community. Self-sufficiency is not right. It is okay to ask for help. And it's silly not to, actually. It's a mistake not to. But Jesus is most physically vulnerable. He's tired, stressed, and under pressure. And the devil loves it. And I think sometimes in relationships, relationships are often under lots of pressure, aren't they? Couples fall out. And I sometimes think if every couple just had a bit of fun once a month, went out for a meal, didn't talk about the kids, had a laugh, did something silly, I'm sure most relationships would be a bit different. Sometimes it's good just to uh, ask yourself, why am I so pressured? Why am I so tired? Why am I stressed? Do I have to be? Because sometimes you haven't got any choice. But do I have to get up the time I get up? Do I have to do that particular job? Do I have to do it? Can I make some life changes knowing that actually in the end what matters is my relationships? Do I have to, should I increase my quiet time knowing that spiritual refreshment in Jesus beats a night out any day of the week? Do I have to worry about that last pound? How many of us spend so much time down the gym just wanting to get to our target weight? I don't bother, you can tell. Um, I should, but my target weight is, is up, so I'm all right. I'm, uh, and I won't worry about that last pound. But how many people just want to get to, I don't know, 12 stone 5 or something, or 11 stone 2, and that last pound, so they go every day and they just kill it at the gym because they want to lose that pound, and then wear yourself out. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it in the end? What's wrong with a little bit of a roundness <laughs> or maybe you're a perfectionist maybe you just have to have things done perfect all the time every T must be crossed every I must be dotted with the right font and the right coloured pen on the right paper at the right time all the time maybe you can't possibly trust another human being to delegate jobs you do because no one else can do things as well as you do they might muck it up yes that's okay. It's good, actually, if people muck stuff up because it means they're learning. And if you don't let them learn, then you'll be the only one that can do it. And when you drop down dead because you're so stressed, no one will do it. But maybe we're perfectionists. The devil loves it when perfectionists, I think, because he can just whisper in your ear, oh, they're all idiots, aren't they? They really are. Don't trust any of them. There's no point. Anyway, I shouldn't say that. But when we're tired, stressed, do we eat well, do we go to bed, do we drink enough water, do we drink too much of other things, do we do other things we shouldn't do, we're wearing our bodies out unnecessarily, make changes, don't let him get you when you're physically tired. Verses 3 and 9, the devil attacks in a very clever way, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread, 
And in verse 9, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil loves just to ask little questions, little nagging questions. If you're the son of God, oh, you could turn these stones to bread, can't you? Well, if you're the son of God, if you fall off this, the, the angels will catch you. That's what the Bible says. You notice he doesn't say you're not the son of God. He doesn't say there's no way you can do these things. He just puts out a little doubting question in our minds sometimes. Well, if this is true of you, well, shouldn't that be true of you? If you're a Christian, shouldn't you never sin? If you're a Christian, surely you shouldn't ever give in to temptation. And if you say you really love God, well, surely you'd be different to where you are now, surely. And surely, if you pray for God to set you free from that, he'll do it immediately, won't he? Isn't it weird that he didn't? Maybe he's not worth praying to. He loves to drop those little questions in. Sure, God loves you. Are you sure you're really saved? Because, you know, you did that thing seven, the 750th time and God must be getting fed up with you now. He loves those little questions. Are you sure you're worthy to feel free? Do people like you get to be happy? Do people like you get to be free? Probably not. Verse 5 to 7, he attacks ambition and promotes compromise. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, the Lord your, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here he loves uh, ambition the devil loves it when we want more and he loves to whisper in our ear wouldn't it be good if you just had that that extra zero wouldn't it be good if you had that extra promotion wouldn't it be good if you had that thing that car that bigger house whatever it might be nothing wrong with those things but he loves to just tap into that feeling of ambition and greed and more 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 but don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money nothing wrong with a big house but there is wrong it is wrong to get those things compromising spiritually and the devil is saying to Jesus here you can have all of this don't forget the whole world is Jesus's inheritance already but the devil says you can have it all if only you just worship me and how many times did the devil get us to compromise for things we want if you just commit that one sin then you'll feel happier won't you if you just do that then it won't matter if you do this then it'll all be all right it doesn't matter if you, you miss church three or four weeks on the trot because, you know, God wants you to be comfortable or whatever it might be. I can't think of any good examples. But he loves to get us to compromise our faith and compromise our freedom. In verses 2 and 13, we see as well that his attacks are sustained and that he's patient as well. For 40 days, he was tempted, Jesus, by the devil. 40 days like that, one after the other. We only read of three temptations, but I suspect there were more. But these are the three that the Gospels will tell us about. And in verse 13 as well, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him into an opportune time. The devil loves to attack us in a sustained way, like an onslaught. But he also waits patiently for when we're next vulnerable, next successful, and next questioning, or next ambitious, and he can get us to compromise. And maybe you've never thought about the devil, but maybe you recognize some of what I've just said in your own life. 
that feeling of compromising. You know, I could just do that and that make me feel better and that's okay. Maybe it's something you take that you shouldn't or watch that you shouldn't or do that you shouldn't. And maybe you get that question ringing through your head. Shouldn't you be this by now? Shouldn't this be true of you? Maybe you've compromised once too often and you're wondering where you go from here. Well, Jesus resisted the devil very well. One of my favorite films is a film with Russell, I only say Russell Brand, but that, that's hardly ever going to be true. Um, Russell Crowe. And uh, the film, The Beautiful Mind, which I can't, it doesn't ever seem to be on Netflix, I don't want to watch it. Anyway, and, uh, and I, I was thinking about this during the week and the devil. The devil was constantly there, that spiritual attack. Take, trying to rob us of our freedom. If you've ever watched the film, this man suffers with a mental health condition. He's, he sees these three people. These three people aren't real. And the whole film is him battling, trying to work out what's real and what's fake in his life. And he sees these three people and they keep coming up to him and getting him to compromise and affect his relationship with his wife and do things he shouldn't. And towards the end of the film, he begins to realize that they're not real. And so he stops listening to them. And slowly but surely, across the end, towards the end of the film, these three quieter and quieter and further and further away from him. I can't remember his name now. Uh, further and further away from him until the very end he's given an award and I think they're right at the back of the auditorium and I have a feeling they walk out and that's the end of the film. That's Hollywood. has to end it like that. But isn't that a bit like that spiritual battle? The devil loves to accuse us. The darkness loves to rob us of our freedom. loves to attack us when we're quiet. We have to decide, I'm not listening to you. I'm only going to listen to Jesus. I'm only going to listen to the things of God, the things that are good, not the things that bring me down. So what did Jesus do? How did Jesus respond? When we're faced with that attack, the first thing we read about Jesus in verse 1 is that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't just a half-hearted Sunday Christian. He was a Monday to Sunday Christian, if you like, a follower of God. He did everything his father told of him, everything his father said he did. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was as close to God the Father as you could be. His response to that spiritual attack that tried to rob him of his freedom was to be as close to his Father in heaven as he possibly could. I wonder how often when things go wrong we drift from God and try and deal with it in our own strength. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to battle that darkness, you've got to be full of God, full of Jesus, full of faith. Spiritual liberty is what you need, not green grass somewhere else. The second thing he did, he had spiritual disciplines. You notice that the reason he was hungry is that he was fasting. Jesus had spiritual discipline in his life. He didn't just pray occasionally, he prayed every day in a quiet place. He fasted for 40 days. He put his father first and he was disciplined in his spiritual actions during the week. He was ready to face the darkness because he'd already faced his father. We need to be filled with the spirit and disciplined spirit. We must have to make sure that we open our Bible every single day, pray every single day, pray without ceasing. We must make sure that we come to church and worship and grow and be a part of this wonderful community. Which brings me on to point three. Jesus knew his Bible. When the accusations and the lies of the devil came in, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, even when the devil misquotes scripture, What does Jesus do? He quotes the Bible right back at him. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then he says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the lies of Satan came, Jesus fires back with the truths of God. How I fear for Western Christians. How I fear 
from our brothers and sisters across quite a lot of Western Europe and North America who have got so many resources and so much time to read the Bible. Couldn't be easier. And yet so many of my brothers and sisters haven't opened it this week. How on earth are you going to resist Satan if you don't know the truths of God? You need to. And we need to know who we are in Christ. When the darkness comes to light, we need to know who we are in Christ. I've got a little video. It's just a few minutes long, not as long as last week's. And, uh, and I hope you can follow the, uh, the voice. But maybe we can have it up a bit higher. But this video just tells us who we are in Christ. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, Who am I? I told you it's short. Freedom is our, our right in Christ. So let me read Galatians 5, verse 1 again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. We've spoken about freedom these last three weeks. We've spoken about things that take it, things that affect our freedom. We looked at the Israelites crossing the Jordan. We looked at Romans chapter 12, that renewing of our mind. Today we've seen our Saviour's example of how he kept free whilst under attack. In James chapter 3 verse 7, we read, resist the devil and he will flee. John 8 verse 44, Jesus calls him the father of lies, the devil. He is the great accuser. He loves to accuse you with things that are not true. Jesus says in Matthew 11 verse 28, come to me all you who are wearied and burdened and I will give you rest for too long. Some of us in this room have listened to the lies of darkness, have listened to those whispering untruths that have pulled you back constantly to the land of sadness, even though you were meant for the kingdom of light. And today I think it's important that we understand that wisdom, uh, that freedom is a spiritual issue, that it's time to call out the devil and tell him that you're not going to listen to him any longer, that you're only going to listen to the sweet, beautiful voice of Jesus Christ, who calls you by name, who knows every minute that you've got left to live, who knows every hair on your head, who knows every sin in your heart, yet loves you enough to be crucified for you 2,000 years ago. And so let me today, let today be the day that we stop looking downwards 
stop being a people who are defeated. Let's stop seeing only our sin and brokenness. Instead, begin to look up to our Father in heaven and Jesus at his right hand standing, ready to return from heaven to earth. See him looking down at you from heaven, loving you, preparing a place for you. And remember this, that the world you live in with all of its pains and chains is the old order of things that is passing away, the Bible says. And that God's unending kingdom is coming. A place where there will be no more tears or sickness or death. A promised land where joy and freedom are woven into every part. And so today, make a very simple decision. That you're not going to live as if this is your home. But you're going to live as if that is your home. Start living a life where you don't focus on death and pain. Live as if those things have already been dealt with at the end of time. Live as if you're already in heaven. Live a life of freedom in Christ because that's what he died to give you. We've covered a lot these last three weeks and there's much more to say going forward. We're going to sing and just respond now. But I really encourage you, uh, when Jane says, if you want to be prayed for, to not be embarrassed. I know it maybe it's a new thing just coming down during the last couple of songs and maybe you're thinking never in a million years. But maybe today's a day to not think that. Maybe if God stirred your heart, not even about what's been said this morning, but just to pray with someone and make some decisions or just ask some questions, just come pray. You haven't even got to speak if you don't want to. They'll just pray for you. It's confidential. But just come and be prayed for.